Hello everyone, welcome to this Friday's episode of We Ask Watson. It's Elif again, and unfortunately this will be my last day with you. But don't you worry, you'll hear a fresh voice next Monday. Anyway, today Peter and I will be sharing our favourite stories of the day from today's Watson's Daily, as usual. Hello Peter, could you please share a story of the day with us? Indeed I can. Um, (laughs) Very nice to hear you again, Elif. Right, so... um, my favourite story of the day is actually more of a, I guess, a statistic, really, in that there was um, the latest data from the Office of Rail and Road shows that um, passenger journeys on UK railways between April and June are at their lowest levels since the mid-19th century. I mean, what an unbelievably incredible, <laughs> an incredible statistic. And, I mean, I suppose it's unsurprising that obviously uh uh passenger traffic is very low but to be that low is just incredible and it show it goes to show the ongoing um uh damage that that uh, the coronavirus is doing because um obviously a lot of people are either you know have been furloughed or you know and or working from home and thus um they just don't want to they just haven't been going in. And now that um, the government has reversed its previous um, guidance on trying to get people into offices, um, this is this is an absolute disaster. Um, so I think um, uh, I cannot see this improving particularly um, over, for, for, for a very long time. And I think that this is, is really, really um uh you know this is this means i yeah the government has just got to chuck money at this i don't think there's any other solution the whole sort of irony of this of course is that they're basically the government is going to have to um uh effectively nationalize the whole industry which goes against the the whole culture and being of of being a conservative but Mm -hmm. i just can't see any alternative and i think in terms of actual um individual companies and how they're going to be affected but we saw recently that ssp which owns uh things like cafe ritatza and upper crust uh, and stuff like that you know basically those those things that you see at every um every railway station and and not only them so ssp but also wh smith as well which also has loads of um uh, outlets at, at railway stations they are going to suffer immeasurably as well now i think that although um railways are, are going to get money um from the government because they recently said there's going to be an overhaul i think that uh the you know the likes of ssp and things and and wh smith are probably going to get less sympathy because they're private companies and they can you know the government will say well we you know we're just trying to help who who needs the help the most so it's 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 a real it's a real nightmare it's a real mess i think it's going to be going it's going to continue for quite some time and i don't think the railway system um will be able to continue unless the government throws loads of money at it yeah i i definitely agree with that especially like since this is happening in the uk um someone like as someone from another country Mm. um railways have not been a big part of my life yes Uh, but coming here i can see that it is used to go literally anywhere like it's one of the main um forms of transportation 
Yeah. And I can see some people going back to using uh, trains and uh, like coaches. Yeah. Uh, because the winter is upon us. Like they they're not yeah. going to be uh, so willing to use their like bikes or like they they're not going to be um, so happy about walking to work like uh, or mm. like the school. So I can definitely see some people going back. But yeah. I, I'm not really sure if it's going to be enough to re- uh, recover them from mm. all the damage that the coronavirus has done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, like you said, I mm. think that uh, nationalization and the government throwing some money at them is mm. inevitable. Yeah, like that, that's the only way forward. And yeah, I don't think it is an industry that is um, like flexible about going at risk. No, no, I think so. And, you know, the other the other stat that um, was in was in that, uh, you know, that um, story in, in Watson's Daily as well was the fact that they quoted um, a national travel attitudes study, which yeah. showed that 94 percent of the people who said that they they were doing more walking and cycling um, since lockdown said that they would they would continue to do so. Now, as you said, um, as you, you know, said just then. Um, obviously autumn and winter is coming mm-hmm. and previous good intentions may well um, may well change um, <laughs> but um, you know with the weather and 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 also it getting dark and all that kind of thing but um, yeah I, I think that uh, I, yeah I think that yeah we're we are in we are definitely this industry is definitely in crisis and you've got um, some of the um, private sector operators like uh, First Group and Stagecoach, who operate buses, trains, uh, and all that sort of stuff, um, they um, they have been appealing to the government as well because okay, they're private companies and they have previously made loads of money, but the problem is, is, is of course, you know they're they're all affected as well. You know, not it's not just mm-hmm. the the um, sort of national, you know, the, the the whole network. It's it you know the individual operators are having a, a real nightmare as well so yeah it's it's a very serious problem and i think can only be um solved by the government throwing loads of money at it because i can't see private equity throwing money at it um because i think it, they will have to throw a lot of money at it before anything really starts to turn around and i i think if if private equity didn't get involved they'd probably wait a bit longer <laughs> Um, to to get them, you know, um, before before they got involved. But uh, yeah, I think it's the government. I'm I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a real change of um, perspective on the yes. uh, on the side of the government because, yes. like like you said, they haven't been doing this in the past. Like they haven't been planning on doing this in the past. Yeah, um, that's right. So yeah, uh, even though that was really important. Yep. Uh, now I have my own story, which I think awesome. um, could be competing with yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the UK level, but in the Europe level. Yeah. Um, so my story is about the Spanish High Court striking down Madrid's uh, coronavirus curbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so why the reason why I found this interesting was because uh, on this week's Tuesday's Watson's Daily, mm. um, I remember seeing that... Um, Spain was one of the now now one of the most at risk economies of the eurozone. Um, mm. This was this was said by the Germany as well, um, mm. and I do think that they have a point because 
um, at first Spain uh, started by really, really strict um, measures when the coronavirus, like the pandemic first uh, blew up uh, b- because they were one of the most impacted ones. Mm. Um, and Spain is one of the biggest economies of the Eurozone or mm-hmm. of the EU. Um, so I do think that it's going to affect Europe as a whole and um, it might even cause repercussions for the whole of Europe. Mm. Um, and I do think that Europe will be watching Spain very closely just mm-hmm. because they are one of the biggest economies. Mm. And um, also what's more interesting for me is that um, it seems like the government, the central government, uh, put these restrictions at first and the local, the regional government uh, of Madrid um, decided that this didn't have much uh, legal base or like um, a solid base, uh, mm. these restrictions. Mm-hmm. So um, if the regional governments have this much power and uh, if they keep um, going against the central government, this might make the central government look kind of powerless. Mm. Um which is also um, kind of dangerous in terms mm. of um, seeing how the ho- whole of Europe's economy or like literally anything about Europe actually is going mm. to be impacted mm. since because Spain is one of the biggest parts yeah. of Europe. Yeah. What do you think, no. Peter? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that um, this puts a huge spanner in the works for because the thing is things, I mean, this is the thing, right? You sort of think, UK, the UK is kind of everyone's complaining the UK is in confusion, but I, I'd say this is nothing compared to what's happening in in Spain because in Spain you've got a coalition government with very opposing for you know opposing forces within the within the coalition and it's very finely divided. So um, the you know Pedro Sanchez can't really do anything because you know he. He doesn't have the majority to push push things through, really. Um, and you've got lots of infighting with all the different, um, you know, all the different parties um, plugging their own agenda. And I think that it's it is very that makes things very unstable. And then if you throw into that the the regional governments and things, and now the the court system, um, I, I mean, it's a wonder that anyone knows what any what. Any, you know, no one knows what what's going on because if the government say do this and then the the the, the courts say no, don't do this, and then the regional um, places saying uh, regional government say no, we're not going to do that either. Then who decides? Uh, and mm-hmm. and and you know, it just is really very very. It's a it's a terrible situation. Um, and as you say, I think that um, the fact that uh, it's one of um, Europe's biggest economy so it's so Germany's number one France is number two then I think you know Spain and Italy I've forgotten which way around they are but you know in, in they're all in the top four so anything that go you know if Spain goes wrong then that's really going to affect the rest of Europe so yeah you're you're definitely right I think also I think this is worth mentioning uh, especially for the specific um, case um, apparently, Madrid has about the double of uh, double of the number of cases mm. uh, compared to the whole of Spain. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like the restrictions are that unnecessary. Um, mm. Also, considering that the whole world is kind of going into this second wave or like mm. already in that second wave. 
Um, so it seems to me that this move is more about uh, trying to recover their economy um, mm. because they didn't they probably didn't have uh, as much like touristic in- income this summer as mm-hmm. they normally would have. And mm. it, like Spain is one of the um, summer destinations, like one of yeah. the most popular summer destinations in yep. the whole of Europe. Yep. So, yeah, this this is what it seems to me like. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh yeah, it's it's a it's a very tough situation. I really hope they come out of it um, soon because you know they have very probably the, some of the strictest um, restrictions um, during the during the actual um, uh, outbreak itself, and mm-hmm. then it seems to be doing okay, and then now it seems to be regressing rather dramatically, and then if you've got this whole uncertainty thing on top of that, you. I don't know. At times like this, you need someone to take the lead and just go, look, do this and make the unpopular decisions. And unfortunately, it seems like Pedro Sanchez is unable to do so. Yeah, unfortunately. Feels like the whole world is kind of going on fire. It is. It is. It is. (laughs) And it's really concerning me. Yeah. Everything is getting quite unpredictable. Yeah. But hey, I mean, let's let's try and look on the bright side. The good thing is, if you read Watson's Daily, you can keep track of all these things <laughs> going on around the world and, and seeing, you know, because it's not all it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom around the world. You know, yeah. some there are some, um, you know, there are some areas of, of uh, you know, positivity and stuff. So, um, you know, if you want to keep track of those as well, uh, say read Watson's Daily. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you seem um, to be especially choosing the mo- the most depressing ones, but I promise you, the listeners, we have some <laughs> non-depressing stories as well. There you go. There we go. Yes, it's all it's all good. And if even if even if there are lots of depressing stories at the end of Watson's Daily, there's always something to put a smile, hopefully put a smile on your face, or to um, uh, something interesting um, at the end of the note as well. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Um, but um, the I just wanted to say um, before we go, if uh, there's if if anyone out there who's listening to this is doing the um, the most recent competition um, and they've they've passed through round one and I I think that's three hundred eighty nine I I think I don't know so I forgot what numbers numbers are now but um, <clears throat> if you've actually gone through um, then the round two questions will be. Uh, available from from this weekend so um just watch out for stuff and um yeah good good luck with the good luck with the second round um but there you go i think that's that's it really yeah have uh, you got got I anything else good luck to everyone as well uh, <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> good luck to myself as well i'm going to be doing the round two as well awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you so much peter i think that's all we've got time for today and uh i'm set to be leaving but yeah this was my last podcast well look it's it's been great and and and, um you know uh who knows we might see you again uh we might see you again in in the not too distant future but thank you very much indeed (laughs) all right thank you see you then bye bye hi everyone welcome to today's episode of we ask watson i'm emily from watson's daily and with me is peter watson hi peter hi there Peter, would you tell us the story you found most interesting today, please? Okay. Um, I thought that, by the way, actually, before we start this, um, we had a chat beforehand and 
I actually think that Emily's story is more important, but I think mine's more fun, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I think so. I think uh, so. I put in this story today uh, about Levi, uh, sorry, Levi's, Levi's, and Hill, um, and uh, Tommy Hilfiger um, putting together new type of online shopping. So basically, what what happens is they. Um, some of these uh, some of these kind of brands are actually starting to do things like live streams um, uh, uh, to uh, get customers in who who would obviously you know who aren't able to go to uh, their their stores during during the lockdown so it's all a bit like um, QVC you know that um, TV mm. it's like a basically channel TV and they they talk about you know dodgy jewelry and stuff <laughs> and uh try try to sell you all this stuff um and it's all a bit cheesy but actually i really i really think this is this is particularly interesting because i think this method of selling um is already very popular in china and um you know you get influencers and things talking about things and then they'll show you how to you know what what outfits look like and all this kind of stuff and then you can buy straight there and then um and i think that it seems to me that I, I, I reckon that this could be the future, certainly the, well, potentially the immediate future of um, apparel retailing, because I think until we get a, a, a you know, proper um, vaccine, et cetera, for coronavirus, th- these shops are all going to be quite risky in terms of, are they going to open? Are they not going to open? And that kind of thing. Whereas this, um, if they actually put some money, but if, if retailers put some money behind this kind of thing, it might actually work because, um, yeah, everyone's locked down anyway. People want to have a bit of retail therapy. Um, and if they can have something that's interactive and, um, and current, uh, you know, it's quite, it's quite an exciting experience. I mean, it, it's certainly different from the experience that you get in a shop. Um, and actually might in, again, could enhance, the brand potentially. So I really think that um, uh, this kind of interactive event will be really, I think it will, it, you know, it will be really popular because I think um, many, many people very keen um, to have more of an interactive experience. It seems to me, I mean, I, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I, I was saying to you earlier that I think that, um even with things like i found i mean as a relatively recent person to um to instagram that one thing that has kind of surprised me about the platform is how interactive it is with complete Mm -hmm. strangers um and people that would not normally you know say stride up to you in the streets and just (laughs) ask you a load of questions um feel perfectly fine doing that on a platform like instagram and you know you can interact really quickly and i think that if you if you have many people who 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 are used to that kind of interaction then i think that this this thing that um you know levi's and hilfiger are doing is actually a natural extension of it and it's actually a natural extension of a normal kind of apparel website you know a clothing uh, retailer website so you know you've got the clothing retail uh, you know you've got the products up there and then you like you click on them and all that kind of thing and you buy but 
it surely it's a lot better to and more fun to be part of a an in, an interactive you know fashion show or product reveal or you know something with someone on there who tells you ways to wear it and all that kind of thing it makes for a much richer experience from the shopping shopper's point of view and in fact although people will say that they like going to a shop and like talking to people it it pro, it may well give them a, actually a better quality experience because you're probably going to have someone who's who's better um on the um on the actual um uh you know on on the live stream than than you would normally mm. it's it's interesting because i feel that some comparisons could be drawn between this live streaming and also the youtube influencer market because yeah. with youtube a lot of um videos are of influencers trying on things that they've bought so for like an ASOS haul mm. with a try-on element where the influencer actually shows you how the clothes look on and you can mm. kind of get their sizing for reference. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that maybe, though, the live streaming could actually surpass YouTube in terms of the marketability of clothes in particular? I think, I don't know if it will outlast it. I mean, certainly at least, at the very least, enhance it. Because, you know, you've got that interactive element, you've got the live elements, and it's more exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it live, it's, it's a lot more, you know, it is a lot more exciting than, than say, watching it later on YouTube. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a Watson's Daily um, Thursday Zoom call, really, in that respect. In that, you know, yeah, you could, you could listen to a recording or something, if there was a recording. Um, but it's a lot better to be there on the live, you know, it's a lot better to be there live. Because you know you get more interaction and 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 um, you, you know you, you're more in the moments. So I think that I think that I don't I don't think that could ne- it it will necessarily um, replace that you know the 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 YouTube trends that you're talking about. It just might enhance it, mm-hmm. and I think that it, it will add another element um, to it all. So I think it's really um, yeah I think it's it is potentially the future, but. You know, I think, again, I, I don't know if I referred to this in a previous podcast, but um, I, I think that uh, if you can combine this and have um, accurate customer avatars, you know, personal avatars, which have all your measurements and things like that, so um, that you can use at all retailers to say, see whether things are the right fit for you or not or look right on you or not, um, I think that if if you could have that and you could have this live element as well, I actually think that that's better than going in person, you know, because you can, you know, the, the, the avatar things means that you don't have to, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, maybe this is showing my age here, but I remember a while ago going to like, um, oh God, Abercrombie and Fitch, right. And, uh, the going, going in there, um, and the, the queues, I mean, they got loads of changing rooms, but, Basically, you get a whole load of tr- tourists coming along, and they 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 go in, and they've got like stacks of, like stacks of clothes, and they've got their friends handing them to. So you're you're waiting for absolutely ages before you can even get in the blooming fitting rooms. So surely it's a lot better and a lot better experience if you've got your um you know if you've got your avatar, so you don't have to worry about that, and then you can look at the latest trends. Um, and and you know drop in live maybe maybe make a few comment you know bitchy comments and stuff um, I you know I don't know I mean I I think that that actually 
that doesn't detract from the shopping experience. I actually think it. I actually think in many ways it enhances, if not surpasses it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think also you touched on it earlier, but the current COVID situation. Um, my experience has been that no shops are actually even allowing people to try on clothes. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to take a stab in the dark and take it all the way home. And then if you live yeah. quite far from the centre, that that's annoying because then you have to yeah. drive all the way back to return. Yeah. So yeah. that would be useful um, even in the recent times where there's no mm. vaccine. But even after a vaccine, as you said, it looks like it could disrupt the future of retail quite significantly. Mm. And I suspect that those brands on the high street that are struggling at the minute, if they could perhaps reevaluate their business plan and maybe try and get involved in the disruption they might actually be you know benefit from this yeah yeah for sure for sure so i mean i think you know interest difficult times for retailers and and um, you know clothing brands but also this is this could be a time that you know actually accelerates change that maybe would have taken many years mm. um because now there's much more of a sense of urgency because it's rather than a oh yeah this is quite nice thing to have and and wouldn't this be good in the future so we need this otherwise we're not going to survive yeah so i think there's nothing like that to uh, concentrate the mind i think Mm. well interesting peter fun but um (laughs) as as you said yourself i think my story today i found this um quite significant and important um So the story today for me was the EU targeting big tech with a hit Mm -hmm. list. Mm -hmm. And the EU regulators are planning to compile a list of 20 major internet companies, which will have to adhere to much stricter rules, which is basically aimed at diluting the power of the tech behemoths currently in the market. Um, Mm. The list will be compiled based on a criteria which includes market share of revenues and Mm -hmm. also number of users. Mm. But um, a second limb could also be those deemed to be so powerful that rivals cannot trade without their platforms being used. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty likely that companies such as Facebook and Google will definitely be included on this. Um, Mm. But the important part of this story for me is that it shows the EU wants to go beyond imposing fines and actually instead make the tech companies share their data with their competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is very significant because fines, to be honest, really aren't that effective against companies such as Facebook and Google, Apple, because for them, it's really pocket money. Like It it really isn't a big deal, but data Mm. might be a way to get them to comply. Mm. Um, but I'd ask you, Peter, do you think there'll be much resistance from this, from the US big tech in particular? And what mm. do you think their actions might be? I think that there will be massive resistance in, in America because the, the companies that are obviously going to be targeted are the you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples uh, of, of this world. And they're all American. Um, now, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, maybe there would be more chance of um, Americans um, cracking down on this themselves and saying things should be broken up. But 
we're not in normal circumstances. And although these companies don't pay much corporate tax, mm-hmm. um, they they pay a lot in terms of employing loads of people and those people pay loads of income tax. So are they really, are the Americans, you know, the regulators and things, are they really going to be doing anything about this? I mean, I, I, I do, I do wonder uh, about whether, wh- how, how hard they will push this. Um, I think that the EU is, is just going to, I think, I really think they're going to fold. I'm sorry to be cynical about it, but I, the fact that, um, you know, Vestager, um, the, the EU competition commissioner took on Apple, you know, try up, it was high fiving because, because they managed to get, um, or had a judgment to, to make Apple pay a 16 billion euro fine and then find that actually, um, you know, that, 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 that she lost on appeal. Mm. I mean, the fact that she can't even win against one company, um, or be that Apple, um, what she got, what, what chance she got against 20, what chance the EU got against 20. And actually the next thing that they bring like this got to work otherwise i think it's curtains for the for them that you know they're going to have to start all over again yeah, the eu agreed. competition because like no no one is going to take them seriously mm. just no one um and actually sorry the other thing i was going to say as well was um this whole thing about data i think that's there's going to be a lot of problems with this because i would say that another objection that the big tech that big tech might do is to say well look the customers trust us yeah, especially someone like Apple, right? Mm. Where everyone goes, are oh, everyone they 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 put their trust in us. You know, we don't get hacked as much as everyone else. That's why people we, people come to us. Why should we give our data out to everyone else? And that that's when we know, you know, we where we have no control. You know, their data will not be safer elsewhere. It will be safer with us. And I mean. It, I'd say that's quite hard to argue against because the more um, I would say, you know, the more companies that have access to your data, the more chances there are of that data being misused. Um, so I, I think that although this, this sounds good, ultimately I think the execution is going to be extremely hard. Um, yeah, so, it, so yeah. it's interesting. I mean, Peter, that argument was very compelling. I think Apple should get in, in contact if it does go to court because you, <laughs> you'd be very good on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that they're just, a, they are a, um, you know, they are a trusted company, aren't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, this is whole, that whole thing a few years ago with, you know, the F, was it, I think it was the FBI, you know, they were trying to um, hack into yeah. a, an Apple phone and, and they didn't. And the FBI was trying to compel them. They did, you know, they resist. So, so really, um, I do think that people will trust companies. Say, I I would say, just as a like an observer, I would say in general, most people will probably trust Apple more than they do Facebook, mm. for instance. Whereas, you know, the, but the thing is, is that actually the information that Apple has is probably just as sensitive, if not more so, than mm. than what you get on Facebook. Because, again, this is what I was saying, I think, recently about Amazon, is that Apple know what you buy, whereas you don't buy so so much stuff on, on Facebook. So you can see to get an insight into someone 
by looking at their Facebook in a way, but they're not really buying anything. Whereas, of course, Apple, it, they, you know, everything, as, as we all know, everything costs. And so um, they will know more about, um, you know, what you actually buy, which I think is even more sensitive. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but like I say, I think the thing, you, everyone's got to be very careful with data. And I think that there'll be a big objections from people if too much there's there's too much data sharing. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, we'll see in the next few months how how this actually works out. But I, I suspect yeah. your I suspect your cynicism is definitely well placed. Um, but yeah, thanks for that, Peter. Um, no problem. So I think that's everything for today. I'll just round up by explaining that. Stage two of the competition has just opened, um, only open to those that have got through the first stage. So those that have got through, you should get an email very shortly. And best of luck from all of us here at Watson's Daily. Um, If I could remind the listeners, as always, please subscribe to Watson's Daily for more stories like the ones me and Peter have discussed today. There's also lots more resources to help in the upcoming application cycle and for the dreaded interviews. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for your insights today, Peter. Ooh. There is one more thing I wanted to mention is um, I, uh, I, I've been working with um, According to a Law Student. Oh, yeah. And um, we have put together an ebook on commercial awareness. Now, um, it's not been released just yet, but it's just it is about it is on the verge of being released so um you know look out look out for that we'll we'll be um trying to uh, bring attention to it certainly on 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 our social media channels um but i think it's it's been re- it's been really great to to work with with uh, april is her real name um it's been really great to to work with her and i think she's worked incredibly hard and you know um hopefully this will be a, something that will be very useful to you. And I actually think, I mean, it's it's the most colourful and amazing guide I've ever seen on this guy. I, don't, I guarantee that you will not have seen anything quite like this. Um, but I think what is really good about it is that I think that it, the way um, the way it's done will really help people to remember and understand um, quite a lot of uh, quite complicated and knotty uh, 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 subjects. So uh, I'll let you know more, and uh, obviously when it's released and things. But just to just to mark your cards um, and uh, make a space in your inbox for that. <laughs> uh, but there you go. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that, Peter. No problem. All right. Well, thanks very much, uh, Emily. Um, always always good to to speak again. Yes. Bye. Great. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of We Ask Watson. I'm Emily from Watson's Daily, and with me is Peter Watson. Hi, Peter. Hi there. Peter, would you tell us the story you found most interesting today, please? Okay. Um, I thought that, by the way, actually, before we start this, um, we had a chat beforehand, and I actually think that Emily's story is more important, but I think mine's more fun, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I think so. I think uh, so. I put in this story today uh, about Levi, uh, sorry, Levi's, Levi's, and Hill, um, and uh, Tommy Hilfiger 
um, putting together new type of online shopping. So basically what, what happens is they, um, some of these, uh, some of these kind of brands are actually starting to do things like live streams, um, uh, to uh, get customers in who who would obviously you know who aren't able to go to uh, their their stores during during lockdown so it's all a bit like um qvc you know that um tv mm. it's like a basically channel tv and they they talk about you know dodgy jewelry and stuff <laughs> and uh try try to sell you all this stuff um and it's all a bit cheesy, but actually, I really, I really think this is this is particularly interesting because I think this method of selling um, is already very popular in China, and um, you know, you get influencers and things talking about things, and then they'll show you how to, you know, what what outfits look like and all this kind of stuff, and then you can buy straight there and then. Um, and I think that it seems to me that I, I, I reckon that this could be the future certainly the well potentially the immediate future of um apparel retailing because i think until we get a, a, a you know proper um vaccine etc for coronavirus th- these shops are all going to be quite risky in terms of are they going to open are they not going to open and that kind of thing whereas this um if they actually put some money but if, if retailers put some money behind this kind of thing it might actually work because um, yeah, everyone's locked down anyway. People want to have a bit of retail therapy, um, and if they can have something that's interactive and um, and current, uh, you know, it's quite it's quite an exciting experience. I mean, it, it's certainly different from the experience you get in a shop, um, and actually might in, again could enhance the brand potentially. So I really think that um, uh, this kind of interactive event will be really. I think it will, you know, it will be really popular because I think um, many, many people very keen um, to have more of an interactive experience, it seems to me. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I I mean, I I, I was saying to you earlier that I think that um, even with things like I found, I mean, as a relatively recent person to um, to Instagram, that one thing that has kind of surprised me about the platform is how interactive it is with complete strangers um, and people that would not normally, you know, say stride up to you in the streets and just ask <laughs> you a load of questions, um, feel perfectly fine doing that on a platform like Instagram. And, you know, you can interact really quickly. And I think that if you, if you have many people who, who, who are used to that kind of interaction, then I think that this, this thing that um, you know Levi's and Hilfiger are doing is actually a natural extension of it, and it's actually a natural extension of a normal kind of apparel website, you know, a clo- clothing uh, retailer website. So, you know, you've got the clothing retail, uh, you know, you've got the products up there, and then you like you click on them and all that kind of thing, and you buy. But it's surely it's a lot better to and more fun to be part of a an in, an interactive you know fashion show or product reveal or you know something with someone on there who tells you ways to wear it and all that kind of thing it makes for a much richer experience from the shopping shopper's point of view and in fact although people will say that they like going to a shop and like talking to people it it pro- it may well give them a, actually a better quality experience because you're probably going to have someone who's who's better 
um, on the um, on the actual um, uh, you know on on the live stream than than you would normally. Mm. It's it's interesting because I feel that some comparisons could be drawn between this live streaming and also the YouTube influencer market because yeah. with YouTube a lot of um, videos are of influencers trying on things that they've bought. So for like an ASOS haul Mm. with a try on element where the influencer actually shows you how the clothes look on and you can Mm. kind of get their sizing for reference. Do you you feel that maybe though the live streaming could actually surpass YouTube in terms of the marketability of clothes in particular? I think, I don't know if it will outlast it. I mean, certainly at least at the very least enhance it. Because, you know, you've got that interactive element, you've got the live elements, and it's more exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it live, it's, it's a lot more, you know, it is a lot more exciting than, than say, watching it later on YouTube. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a Watson's Daily um, Thursday Zoom call, really, in that respect. In that, you know, yeah, you could, you could listen to a recording or something, if there was a recording. Um, but it's a lot better to be there on the live, you know, it's a lot better to be there live. Because, you know, you get more interaction and, and, and um, you, you know, you, you're more in the moment. So I think that, I think that, I don't, I don't think that could ne- it, it will necessarily um, replace that, you know, the, the, the YouTube trends that you're talking about. It just might enhance it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would add another element um, to it all. So I think it's really, um, yeah, I think it's, it is potentially the future, but, you know, I think again. I, I don't know if I referred to this in a previous podcast, but um, I, I think that uh, if you can combine this and have um, accurate customer avatars, you know, personal avatars, which have all your measurements and things like that, so um, that you can use at all retailers to say see whether things are the right fit for you or not, or look right on you or not. Um, I think that if if you could have that. And you could have this live element as well. I actually think that that's better than going in person, you know, because you can, you know, the, the, the avatar things means that you don't have to, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, maybe this is showing my age here, but I remember a while ago going to like, um, oh God, Abercrombie and Fitch, right. And, uh, the going, going in there, um, and the, the queues, I mean, they got loads of changing rooms, but, Basically, you get a whole load of tr- tourists coming along, and they 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 go in, and they've got like stacks of, <laughs> like stacks of clothes, and they've got their friends handing them to. So you're you're waiting for absolutely ages before you can even get in the blooming fitting rooms. So surely it's a lot better and a lot better experience if you've got your um you know if you've got your avatar, so you don't have to worry about that, and then you can look at the latest trends um and and you know drop in live maybe maybe make a few comment you know bitchy comments and stuff um i you know i don't know i mean i i think that that actually that doesn't detract from the shopping experience i actually think it i actually think in many ways it enhances if not surpasses it yeah it's it's interesting because i think also you touched on it earlier but the current covid situation um my experience has been that no shops are actually even allowing people to try on clothes um yeah so you kind of have to take a stab in the dark and take it all the way home and then if you live quite far from the center that that's annoying because then you have to drive all the way back 
to return yeah. it. So yeah. that would be useful um, even in the recent times where there's no mm. vaccine. But even after a vaccine, as you said, it looks like it could disrupt the future of retail quite significantly. Mm. And I suspect that those brands on the high street that are struggling at the minute, if they could perhaps reevaluate their business plan and maybe try and get involved in the disruption, they might actually be, you know, benefit from this. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, I think, you know, interest, difficult times for retailers and, and um, you know, clothing brands, but also this is, this could be a time that, you know, actually accelerates change that maybe would have taken many years um, because now there's much more of a sense of urgency because it's rather than a, oh, yeah, this is quite a nice thing to have and, and wouldn't this be good in the future too? We need this. Otherwise, we're not going to survive. Yeah. So I think there's not, nothing like that to uh, concentrate the mind, I think. Mm. Well, interesting, Peter, fun. But um, <laughs> as, as you said yourself, I think my story today, I found this um, quite significant and yeah. important. Um, so the story today for me was the EU targeting big tech with a hit mm. list. Mm-hmm. And the EU regulators are planning to compile a list of 20 major internet companies, which will have to adhere to much stricter rules, which is basically aimed at diluting the power of the tech behemoths currently in the market. Um, mm. The list will be compiled based on a criteria which includes market share of revenues and mm-hmm. also number of users. But um, a second limb could also be those deemed to be so powerful that rivals cannot trade without their platforms being used. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty likely that companies such as Facebook and Google will definitely be included on this. Um, Mm. But the important part of this story for me is that it shows the EU wants to go beyond imposing fines and actually instead make the tech companies share their data with their competitors Mm -hmm. Um, And this is very significant because fines, to be honest, really aren't that effective against companies such as Facebook and Google, Apple, because for them, it's really pocket money. Like it it really isn't a big deal, but data Mm. might be a way to get them to comply. Mm. Um, But I'd ask you, Peter, do you think there'll be much resistance from this, from the US big tech in particular? And what Mm. do you think their actions might be? I think that there will be massive resistance in, in America because the, the companies that are obviously going to be targeted are the, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples uh, of, of this world. And they're all American. Um, now, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, maybe there would be more chance of um, Americans um, cracking down on this themselves and saying things should be broken up. But we're not in normal circumstances. And although these companies don't pay much corporate tax, mm. um, they, they pay a lot in terms of employing loads of people and those people pay loads of income tax. So are they really, are the Americans, you know, the regulators and things, are they really going to be doing anything about this? I mean, I, I, I do, I do wonder uh, about whether, wh- how, how hard they will push this. Um, I think that the EU is is just going to, I think, I really think they're going to fold. I'm sorry to be cynical about it, but 
I the fact that um, you know Vestager, um, the the EU Competition Commissioner, took on Apple, you know, try up. It was high fiving because because they managed to get um, or had a judgment to to make Apple pay a sixteen billion euro fine, and then find that actually. Um, you know that 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 she lost on appeal. Mm. I mean, the fact that she can't even win against one company, um, or be that Apple. Um, what she got? Chance, what what chance she got against twenty? What chance the EU got against twenty? And actually, the next thing that they bring like this got to work. Otherwise, I think it's curtains for the for them. They, you know, they're going to have to start all over again. Yeah, the EU agreed. competition because. Like no, no one is going to take them seriously. Mm. Just no one. Um, and actually, sorry, the other thing I was going to say as well was um, this whole thing about data. I think that's there's going to be a lot of problems with this because I would say that another objection that the big tech that big tech might do is to say, well, look, the customers trust us. You know, especially someone like Apple, right? Mm. Where everyone goes, are oh, everyone they 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 put their trust in us. You know, we don't get hacked as much as everyone else. That's why people we, people come to us. Why should we give our data out to everyone else? And that that's when we know, you know, we where we have no control. You know, their data will not be safer elsewhere. It will be safer with us. And I mean, I'd say that's quite hard to argue against because the more. Um, uh, I would say, you know, the more companies that have access to your data, the more chances there are of that data being misused. Um, so I, I think that although this, this sounds good, ultimately, I think the execution is going to be extremely hard. Um, yeah, so, it, so yeah. it's interesting. I mean, Peter, that argument was very compelling. I think Apple should get in, in contact if it does go to court because you, <laughs> you'd be very good on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that they're just, a, they are a, um, you know, they are a trusted company, aren't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, this is whole, that whole thing a few years ago with, you know, the F, was it, I think it was the FBI, you know, they were trying to um, hack into yeah. a, an Apple phone and, and they didn't. And the FBI was trying to compel them. They did, you know, they resist. So, so really, um, I do think that people will trust companies. Say, I I would say, just as a like an observer, I would say in general, most people will probably trust Apple more than they do Facebook, mm. for instance. Whereas, you know, the, but the thing is, is that actually the information that Apple has is probably just as sensitive, if not more so, than mm. than what you get on Facebook. Because, again, this is what I was saying, I think, recently about Amazon, is that Apple know what you buy, whereas you don't buy so, so much stuff on, on Facebook. So you can see to get an insight into someone by looking at their Facebook in a way, but they're not really buying anything. Whereas, of course, Apple, it, they, you know, everything, as, as we all know, everything costs. And so um, they will know more about... Um, you know what you actually buy which i think is even more sensitive but you know we'll we'll see but like i say i think the thing you, everyone's got to be very careful with data and i think that there'll be a big objections from people if too much there's there's too much data sharing yeah definitely interesting um we'll see 
in the next few months how how this actually works out but i i suspect yeah. your i suspect your cynicism is definitely well placed um but yeah thanks for that peter um, no problem so i think that's everything for today i'll just round up by explaining that stage two of the competition has just opened um only open to those that have got through the first stage so those that have got through you should get an email very shortly and best of luck from all of us here at watson's daily um if i could remind the listeners as always please subscribe to watson's daily for more stories like the ones me and pete have discussed today there's also lots more resources to help in the upcoming application cycle and for the dreaded interviews (laughs) (laughs) exactly yes (laughs) so thanks for your insights today peter There is one more thing I wanted to mention is um, I, uh, I, I've been working with um, according to a law student oh, yeah. and um, we have put together an ebook on commercial awareness. Now um, it's not been released just yet, but it's just, it is about, it is on the verge of being released. So, um, you know, look out, look out for that. We'll, we'll be um, trying to, bring attention to it certainly on 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 our social media channels um but i think it's it's been re- it's been really great to to work with with uh april is her real name um it's been really great to to work with her and i think she's worked incredibly hard and you know um hopefully this will be a something that will be very useful to you and i actually think i mean it's it's the most colourful and amazing guide I've ever seen on this guy. I don't, I guarantee that you will not have seen anything quite like this. Um, but I think what is really good about it is that I think that it, the way, um, the way it's done will really help people to remember and understand um, quite a lot of uh, quite complicated and knotty uh, 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 subjects. So uh, I'll let you know more, and uh, obviously when it's released and things. But just to just to mark your card um, and uh, make a space in your inbox for that. <laughs> uh, but there you go. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that, Peter. No problem. All right. Well, thanks very much, uh, Emily. Um, always, always good to to speak again. Yes. Bye. Great. See you. See you then. Bye. Bye. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of We Ask Watson. I'm Emily from Watson's Daily and with me is Peter Watson. Hi Peter. Hi there. Peter, would you tell us the story you found most interesting today please? Okay, Um, I thought that, by the way actually before we start this, um, we had a chat beforehand and I actually think that Emily's story is more important, but I think mine's more fun, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I think so. I think uh, so. I put in this story today uh, about Levi, uh, sorry, Levi's, Levi's, and Hill um, and uh, Tommy Hilfiger um, putting together new type of online shopping. So basically, what what happens is they um, some of these uh, some of these kind of brands are actually starting to do things like live streams. Um, uh, to uh, get customers in who who would obviously you know who aren't able to go to uh, their their stores during during the lockdown so it's all a bit like um qvc you know that um tv mm. it's like a basically channel tv and they they talk about you know dodgy jewelry and stuff <laughs> and uh try try to sell you all this stuff um 
and it's all a bit cheesy. But actually, I really, I really think this is this is particularly interesting because I think this method of selling um, is already very popular in China. And, um, you know, you get influencers and things talking about things and then they'll show you how to, you know, what, what outfits look like and all this kind of stuff. And then you can buy straight there and then. Um, and I think that it seems to me that I, I, I reckon that this could be the future, certainly the, well, potentially the immediate future of um, apparel retailing, because I think until we get a, a uh, you know, proper um, vaccine, etc., for coronavirus. Th- these shops are all going to be quite risky in terms of are they going to open, are they not going to open, and that kind of thing. Whereas this, um, if they actually put some money, but if, if retailers put some money behind this kind of thing, it might actually work because um, you know everyone's locked down anyway. People want to have a bit of retail therapy. Um, and if they can have something that's interactive and um, and current, uh, you know, it's quite it's quite an exciting experience. I mean, it, it's certainly different from the experience you get in a shop um, and actually might in, again could enhance the brand potentially. So I really think that um, uh, this kind of interactive event will be really I think it will, it, you know, it will be really popular because I think um many many people very keen um to have more of an interactive experience it seems to me i mean i um uh yeah i i mean i th- I, I was saying to you earlier that i think that um e- even with things like in- i found i mean as a re- re- relatively recent person to um to instagram that one thing that has kind of surprised me about the platform is how interactive it is with complete mm-hmm. strangers um and people that would not normally you know say stride up to you in the streets and just ask you a load of questions um feel perfectly fine doing that on a platform like instagram and you know you can interact really quickly and i think that if you if you have many people who 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 are used to that kind of interaction then i think that this this thing that um, you know Levi's and Hilfiger are doing is actually a natural extension of it, and it's actually a natural extension of a normal kind of apparel website, you know, a clo- clothing uh, retailer website. So, you know, you've got the clothing retail, uh, you know, you've got the products up there, and then you like you click on them and all that kind of thing, and you buy. But it's surely it's a lot better to and more fun to be part of a an in, an interactive you know fashion show or product reveal or you know something with someone on there who tells you ways to wear it and all that kind of thing it makes for a much richer experience from the shopping shopper's point of view and in fact although people will say that they like going to a shop and like talking to people it it pro- it may well give them a, actually a better quality experience because you're probably going to have someone who's who's better um on the um on the actual um uh you know on on the live stream than than you would normally mm. it's it's interesting because i feel that some comparisons could be drawn between this live streaming and also the youtube influencer market because yeah. with youtube a lot of um videos are of influencers trying on things that they've bought so for like an asos haul Mm. with a try-on element where the influencer actually shows you how the clothes look on 
and you can mm. kind of get their sizing for reference. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that maybe, though, the live streaming could actually surpass YouTube in terms of the marketability of clothes in particular? I think, I don't know if it will outlast it. I mean, certainly, at least, at the very least, enhance it. Because, you know, you've got that interactive element, you've got the live elements, and it's more exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it live, it's it's a lot more, you know, it is a lot more exciting than, than say, watching it later on YouTube. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a Watson's Daily um, Thursday Zoom call, really, in that respect, in that, you know, yeah, you could, you could listen to a recording or something, if there was a recording, um, but it's a lot better to be there on the live, you know, it's a lot better to be there live. Because you know you get more interaction and 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 um, you, you know you you're more in the moment, so I think that I think that I don't I don't think that could ne- it it will necessarily um, replace that you know the 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 YouTube trends that you're talking about. It just might enhance it, mm. and I think that it would add another element um, to it all. So I think it's really um, yeah I think it's it is potentially the future, but. You know, I think, again, I, I don't know if I referred to this in a previous podcast, but um, I, I think that uh, if you can combine this and have um, accurate customer avatars, you know, personal avatars, which have all your measurements and things like that, so um, that you can use at all retailers to say, see whether things are the right fit for you or not or look right on you or not. Um, I think that if if you could have that, and you could have this live element as well. I actually think that that's better than going in person, you know, because you can, you know, the, the, the avatar things means that you don't have to, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, maybe this is showing my age here, but I remember a while ago going to like, um, Oh God, Abercrombie and Fitch. Right. And, uh, the going, going in there, um, and the, the queues, I mean, they got loads of changing rooms, but, Basically, you get a whole load of tr- tourists coming along, and they 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 go in, and they've got like stacks of <laughs> like stacks of clothes, and they've got their friends handing them to. So you're you're waiting for absolutely ages before you can even get in the blooming fitting rooms. So surely it's a lot better and a lot better experience if you've got your um you know if you've got your avatar, so you don't have to worry about that, and then you can look at the latest trends um and and you know drop in live maybe maybe make a few comment you know bitchy comments and stuff um i you know i don't know i mean i i think that that actually that doesn't detract from the shopping experience i actually think it i actually think in many ways it enhances if not surpasses it yeah it's it's interesting because i think also you touched on it earlier but the current covid situation um my experience has been that no shops are actually even allowing people to try on clothes um yeah so you kind of have to take a stab in the dark and take it all the way home and then if you live yeah. quite far from the center that that's annoying because then you have to yeah. drive all the way back to return yeah. so yeah that would be useful um even in the recent times where there's no mm. vaccine but even after a vaccine as you said it looks like it could disrupt the future of retail quite significantly. And I suspect that those brands on the high street that are struggling at the minute, if they could perhaps reevaluate their business plan and maybe try and get involved in the disruption, they might actually be, you know, benefit from this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, I think, you know, interesting, 
difficult times for retailers and and um, you know clothing brands but also this this could be a time that you know actually accelerates change that maybe would have taken many years mm. um because now there's much more of a sense of urgency because it's rather than a oh yeah this is quite a nice thing to have and and wouldn't this be good in the future too we need this otherwise we're not going to survive yeah so i think there's not nothing like that to uh, concentrate the mind i think mm. well interesting peter fun but um <laughs> as as you said yourself i think my story today i found this um quite significant and yeah important um so the story today for me was the EU targeting big tech with a hit mm. list. Mm-hmm. And the EU regulators are planning to compile a list of 20 major internet companies, which will have to adhere to much stricter rules, which is basically aimed at diluting the power of the tech behemoths currently in the market. Um, mm. The list will be compiled based on a criteria which includes market share of revenues and mm-hmm. also number of users, mm. but um, a second limb could also be those deemed to be so powerful that rivals cannot trade without their platforms being used. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty likely that companies such as Facebook and Google will definitely be included on this. Um, mm. But the important part of this story for me is that it shows the EU wants to go beyond imposing fines and actually instead make the tech companies share their data with their competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very significant because fines, to be honest, really aren't that effective against companies such as Facebook and Google or Apple because for them it's really pocket money. Like It, it really isn't a big deal, but data mm. might be a way to get them to comply. Mm. Um, but I'd ask you, Peter, do you think there'll be much resistance from this, from the US big tech in particular? And what mm. do you think their actions might be? I think that there will be massive resistance in, in America because the, the companies that are obviously going to be targeted are the you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples uh, of, of this world. And they're all American. Um, now, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, maybe there would be more chance of um, Americans um, cracking down on this themselves and saying things should be broken up. But we're not in normal circumstances. And although these companies don't pay much corporate tax, mm-hmm. um, they they pay a lot in terms of employing loads of people and those people pay loads of income tax. So are they really, are the Americans, you know, the regulators and things, are they really going to be doing anything about this i mean i i i do i do wonder uh about whether wh- how how hard they will push this um i think that the eu is is just gonna i think i really think they're gonna fold i'm sorry to be cynical about it but i the fact that um you know vestiger um the, the eu competition commissioner took on apple you know, try up. It was high fiving because because they managed to get um, or had a judgment to to make Apple pay a sixteen billion euro fine, and then find that actually, um, you know, that that that, uh, that, that she lost on appeal. Mm. I mean, the fact that she can't even win against one company, um, or be that Apple, um, what she got 
chance what what chance you got against 20 what chance the eu got against 20 and actually the next thing that they bring like this it's got to work otherwise i think it's curtains for the for them they, you know they're going to have to start all over again yeah, the eu agreed. competition because like no no one is going to take them seriously mm. just no one um and actually sorry the other thing i was going to say as well was um this whole thing about data i think that's there's going to be a lot of problems with this because I would say that another objection that the big tech that big tech might do is to say, well, look, the customers trust us, you know, especially someone like Apple, right? Mm. Where everyone goes, are oh, everyone they 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 put their trust in us, you know? We don't get hacked as much as everyone else. That's why people would could people come to us. Why should we give our data out to everyone else? And that that's when we know, you know, we where we have no control. You know, their data will not be safer elsewhere. It will be safer with us. And I mean, I'd say that's quite hard to argue against because the more, um, I would say, you know, the more companies that have access to your data, the more chances there are of that data being misused. Um, so I I think that although this this sounds good, ultimately... I think the execution is going to be extremely hard. Um, yeah, so, it, so, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Peter, that argument was very compelling. I think Apple should get in, in contact if it does go to court because you, <laughs> you'd be very good on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that they're just, a, they are a, um, you know, they are a trusted company, aren't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, this is whole, that whole thing a few years ago with, you know, the F, was it, I think it was the FBI, you know, they were trying to, um a hack into yeah. a, an apple phone and and they didn't and the fbi was trying to compel them they did you know they resist so so really um i do think that people will trust companies say i i would say just as a like an observer i would say in general most people will probably trust apple more than they do facebook mm. for instance whereas you know the, but the thing is is that actually the information that apple has is probably just as sensitive if not more so than mm. than what you get on facebook because again this is what i was saying i think recently about amazon is that apple know what you buy whereas you don't buy so so much stuff on on facebook so you can see to get an insight into someone by looking at their facebook in a way but they're not really buying anything whereas of course apple it, they you know everything as as we all know everything costs and so um they will know more about um you know what you actually buy which i think is even more sensitive but you know we'll we'll see uh, but like i say i think the thing you, everyone's got to be very careful with data and i think that there'll be a big objections from people if too much there's there's too much data sharing yeah definitely interesting um We'll see in the next few months how how this actually works out, but I, I suspect yeah. your I suspect your cynicism is definitely well placed. Um, but yeah, thanks for that, Peter. Um, no problem. So I think that's everything for today. I'll just round up by explaining that stage two of the competition has just opened, um, only open to those that have got through the first stage so those that have got through you should get an email very shortly and best of luck from all of us here at watson's daily um 
If I can remind the listeners, as always, please subscribe to Watson's Daily for more stories like the ones me and Peter have discussed today. There's also lots more resources to help in the upcoming application cycle and for the dreaded interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) So thanks for your insights today, Peter. There is one more thing I wanted to mention is um, I... Uh, I, I've been working with um, according to a law student oh, yeah. and um, we have put together an ebook on commercial awareness. Now um, it's not been released just yet, but it's just, it is about, it is on the verge of being released. So, um, you know, look out, look out for that. We'll, we'll be um, trying to uh, bring attention to it, certainly on, on, on our social media channels. Um, but I think, it's it's been re- it's been really great to to work with with uh, April is her real name. Um, it's been really great to to work with her, and I think she's worked incredibly hard. And you know, um, hopefully, this will be a, something that will be very useful to you. And I actually think, I mean, it's it's the most colourful and amazing guide I've ever seen on this guy. I don't, I guarantee that you will not have seen anything quite like this. Um, but I think what is really good about it is that I think that it, the way, um, the way it's done will really help people to remember and understand, um, quite a lot of, uh, quite complicated and knotty, uh, 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 subjects so uh, I'll let you know more and uh, obviously when it's released and things but just to just to mark your cards um, and uh, make a space in your inbox for that <laughs> uh, but there you go yeah. great thanks for that Peter no problem all right well thanks very much uh, Emily um, always always good to, to speak again yes Hi. great see you, see you then. bye bye hi everyone welcome to today's episode of we ask Watson I'm Emily from Watson's Daily, and with me is Peter Watson. Hi, Peter. Hi there. Peter, would you tell us the story you found most interesting today, please? Okay. Um, I thought that, by the way, actually, before we start this, um, we had a chat beforehand, and I actually think that Emily's story is more important, but I think mine's more fun, right? (laughs) So anyway, um, I think, so I think, uh, so I put in this story today uh, about Levi, uh, sorry, Levi's, Levi's and Hill, um, and uh, Tommy Hilfiger um, putting together new type of online shopping. So basically what, what happens is they, um, some of these, uh, some of these kind of brands are actually starting to do things like live streams, um, uh, to uh, get customers in who who would obviously you know who aren't able to go to uh, their their stores during during the lockdown so it's all a bit like um qvc you know that um tv mm. it's like a basically channel tv and they they talk about you know dodgy jewelry and stuff <laughs> and uh try try to sell you all this stuff um and it's all a bit cheesy, but actually, I really, I really think this is this is particularly interesting because I think this method of selling um, is already very popular in China, and um, you know you get influencers and things talking about things, and then they'll show you how to, you know, what what outfits look like and all this kind of stuff, and then you can buy straight there and then. Um, and I think that it seems to me that I, I, I reckon that this could be the future certainly the well potentially the immediate future of um apparel retailing because i think until we get a, a, 
uh, you know, proper um, vaccine, etc., for coronavirus, these shops are all going to be quite risky in terms of are they going to open, are they not going to open, and that kind of thing. Whereas this, um, if they actually put some money, but if if retailers put some money behind this kind of thing, it might actually work because um, yeah, everyone's locked down anyway. People want to have a bit of retail therapy. Um, and if they can have something that's interactive and um, and current, uh, you know, it's quite it's quite an exciting experience. I mean, it, it's certainly different from the experience you get in a shop um, and actually might, in, again, could enhance the brand potentially. So I really think that um, uh, this kind of interactive event will be really I think it will, it, you know, it will be really popular because I think um many many people very keen um to have more of an interactive experience it seems to me i mean i um uh yeah i i mean i th- I, I was saying to you earlier that i think that um e- even with things like in- i found i mean as a re- re- relatively recent person to um to instagram that one thing that has kind of surprised me about the platform is how interactive it is with complete strangers um and people that would not normally you know say stride up to you in the streets and just ask you a load of questions um feel perfectly fine doing that on a platform like instagram and you know you can interact really quickly and i think that if you if you have many people who 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 are used to that kind of interaction then i think that this this thing that um, you know Levi's and Hilfiger are doing is actually a natural extension of it, and it's actually a natural extension of a normal kind of apparel website, you know, a clo- clothing uh, retailer website. So, you know, you've got the clothing retail, uh, you know, you've got the products up there, and then you like you click on them and all that kind of thing, and you buy. But it's surely it's a lot better to and more fun to be part of a an in, an interactive you know fashion show or product reveal or you know something with someone on there who tells you ways to wear it and all that kind of thing it makes for a much richer experience from the shopping shopper's point of view and in fact although people will say that they like going to a shop and like talking to people it it pro- it may well give them a, actually a better quality experience because you're probably going to have someone who's who's better um on the um on the actual um uh you know on on the live stream than than you would normally mm. it's it's interesting because i feel that some comparisons could be drawn between this live streaming and also the youtube influencer market because yeah. with youtube a lot of um videos are of influencers trying on things that they've bought so for like an ASOS haul mm. with a try-on element where the influencer actually shows you how the clothes look on and you can mm. kind of get their sizing for reference. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that maybe, though, the live streaming could actually surpass YouTube in terms of the marketability of clothes in particular? I think, I don't know if it will outlast it. I mean, certainly at least, at the very least, enhance it. Because, you know, you've got that interactive element, you've got the live element, and it's more exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it live, it's it's a lot more, you know, it is a lot more exciting than, than say, watching it later on YouTube. 
I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a Watson's daily um, Thursday Zoom call, really, in that respect, in that, you know, yeah, you could, you could listen to a recording or something if there was a recording, um, but it's a lot better to be there on the live, you know, it's a lot better to be there live because you know you get more interaction and 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 um you, you know you you're more in the moment so i think that i think that i don't i don't think that could ne- it it will necessarily um replace that you know the 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 youtube trends that you're talking about it just might enhance it mm. and i think that it would add another element um to it all so i think it's really um yeah i think it's it is potentially the future but you know, I think again. I, I don't know if I referred to this in a previous podcast, but um, I, I think that uh, if you can combine this and have um, accurate customer avatars, you know, personal avatars, which have all your measurements and things like that, so um, that you can use at all retailers to say see whether things are the right fit for you or not, or look right on you or not. Um, I think that if if you could have that. And you could have this live element as well. I actually think that that's better than going in person, you know, because you can, you know, the, the, the avatar things means that you don't have to, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, maybe this is showing my age here, but I remember a while ago going to like, um, oh God, Abercrombie and Fitch, right. And, uh, the going, going in there, um, and the, the queues, I mean, they got loads of changing rooms, but, Basically, you get a whole load of tr- tourists coming along, and they 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 go in, and they've got like stacks of <laughs> like stacks of clothes, and they've got their friends handing them to. So you're you're waiting for absolutely ages before you can even get in the blooming fitting rooms. So surely it's a lot better and a lot better experience if you've got your um you know if you've got your avatar, so you don't have to worry about that, and then you can look at the latest trends um and and you know drop in live maybe maybe make a few comment you know bitchy comments and stuff um i you know i don't know i mean i i think that that actually that doesn't detract from the shopping experience i actually think it i actually think in many ways it enhances if not surpasses it yeah it's it's interesting because i think also you touched on it earlier but the current covid situation um my experience has been that no shops are actually even allowing people to try on clothes um yeah so you kind of have to take a stab in the dark and take it all the way home and then if you live yeah. quite far from the center that that's annoying because then you have to yeah. drive all the way back to return yeah. so yeah that would be useful um even in the recent times where there's no mm. vaccine but even after a vaccine as you said it looks like it could disrupt the future of retail quite significantly. And I suspect that those brands on the high street that are struggling at the minute, if they could perhaps reevaluate their business plan and maybe try and get involved in the disruption, they might actually be, you know, benefit from this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, I think, you know, interesting, difficult times for retailers and and um you know clothing brands but also this this could be a time that you know actually accelerates change that maybe would have taken many years mm. um because now there's much more of a sense of urgency because it's rather than a oh yeah this is quite a nice thing to have and and wouldn't this be good in the future so we need this otherwise we're not going to survive yeah. So I think there's no, nothing like that to uh, concentrate the mind, I think. Mm. 
Well, interesting, Peter. Fun. But um, <laughs> as, as you said yourself, I think my story today, I found this um, quite significant and yeah. important. Um, so the story today for me was the EU targeting big tech with a hit mm. list. Mm-hmm. And the EU regulators are planning to compile a list of 20 major internet companies, which will have to adhere to much stricter rules, which is basically aimed at diluting the power of the tech behemoths currently in the market. Um, mm. The list will be compiled based on a criteria which includes market share of revenues and mm-hmm. also number of users. Mm. But um, a second limb could also be those deemed to be so powerful that rivals cannot trade without their platforms being used. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty likely that companies such as Facebook and Google will definitely be included on this. Um, Mm. But the important part of this story for me is that it shows the EU wants to go beyond imposing fines and actually instead make the tech companies share their data with their competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is very significant because fines, to be honest, really aren't that effective against companies such as Facebook and Google or Apple because for them it's really pocket money. Like it, it really isn't a big deal but data mm. might be a way to get them to comply. Mm. Um, but I'd ask you, Peter, do you think there'll be much resistance from this, from the US big tech in particular? And what mm. do you think their actions might be? I think that there will be massive resistance in, in America because the, the companies that are obviously going to be targeted are the you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples uh, of, of this world. And they're all American. Um, now, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, maybe there would be more chance of um, Americans um, cracking down on this themselves and saying things should be broken up. But we're not in normal circumstances. And although these companies don't pay much corporate tax, mm-hmm. um, they they pay a lot in terms of employing loads of people and those people pay loads of income tax so are they really are the americans you know the regulators and things are they really going to be doing anything about this i mean i i i do i do wonder uh about whether wh- how how hard they will push this um i think that the eu is is just going to I think I really think they're going to fold. I'm sorry to be cynical about it, but I the fact that um, you know Vestager, um, the the EU Competition Commissioner, took on Apple, you know, try up it was high fiving because because they managed to get um, or had a judgment to to make Apple pay a 16 billion euro fine, and then find that actually. Um, you know that 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 she lost on appeal. Mm. I mean, the fact that she can't even win against one company, um, or be that Apple. Um, what she got? Chance, what what chance she got against twenty? What chance the EU got against twenty? And actually, the next thing that they bring like this has got to work. Otherwise, I think it's curtains for the for them. They, you know, they're going to have to start all over again. Yeah, the EU agreed. competition because. Like no, no one is going to take them seriously. Mm. Just no one. Um, and actually, sorry, the other thing I was going to say as well was um, this whole thing about data. I think that's there's going to be a lot of problems with this because I would say that 
another objection that the big tech that big tech might do is to say, well, look, the customers trust us. You know, especially someone like Apple, right? Mm. Where everyone goes, are oh, everyone they 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 put their trust in us. You know, we don't get hacked as much as everyone else. That's why people we could people come to us. Why should we give our data out to everyone else? And then that's when we know, you know, we where we have no control. You know, their data will not be safer elsewhere. It will be safer with us. And I mean it, I'd say that's quite hard to argue against because the more um, uh, I would say, you know, the more companies that have access to your data, the more chances there are of that data being misused. Um, so I, I think that although this, this sounds good, ultimately I think the execution is going to be extremely hard. Um, yeah, so, it, so yeah. it's interesting. I mean, Peter, that argument was very compelling. I think Apple should get in, in contact if it does go to court because you, <laughs> you'd be very good on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that they're just, a, they are a, um, you know, they are a trusted company, aren't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, this is whole, that whole thing a few years ago with, you know, the F, was it, I think it was the FBI, you know, they were trying to um, hack into yeah. a, an Apple phone and, and they didn't. And the FBI was trying to compel them. They did, you know, they resist. So, so really, um, I do think that people will trust companies. Say, I I would say, just as a like an observer, I would say in general, most people will probably trust Apple more than they do Facebook, mm. for instance. Whereas, you know, the, but the thing is, is that actually the information that Apple has is probably just as sensitive, if not more so, than mm. than what you get on Facebook. Because, again, this is what I was saying, I think, recently about Amazon, is that Apple know what you buy, whereas you don't buy so, so much stuff on, on Facebook. So you can see to get an insight into someone by looking at their Facebook in a way, but they're not really buying anything. Whereas, of course, Apple, it, they, you know, everything, as, as we all know, everything costs. And so um, they will know more about... Um, you know what you actually buy which i think is even more sensitive but you know we'll we'll see uh, but like i say i think the thing you, everyone's got to be very careful with data and i think that there'll be a big objections from people if too much there's there's too much data sharing yeah definitely interesting um we'll see in the next few months how how this actually works out but i i suspect yeah. your i suspect your cynicism is definitely well placed um but yeah, thanks for that, Peter. Um, no problem. So I think that's everything for today. I'll just round up by explaining that stage two of the competition has just opened, um, only open to those that have got through the first stage. So those that have got through, you should get an email very shortly. And best of luck from all of us here at Watson's Daily. Um if I could remind the listeners, as always, please subscribe to Watson's Daily for more stories like the ones me and Pete have discussed today. There's also lots more resources to help in the upcoming application cycle and for the dreaded interviews. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for your insights today, Peter. Ooh. There is one more thing I wanted to mention is um, I... Uh, I, I've been working with um, According to a Law Student, oh, yeah. and um, we have put together an ebook on 
commercial awareness. Now, um, it's not been released just yet, but it's just it is about it is on the verge of being released. So, um, you know, look out, look out for that. We'll we'll be um, trying to bring attention to it certainly on 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 our social media channels um but i think it's it's been re- it's been really great to to work with with uh, april is her real name um it's been really great to to work with her and i think she's worked incredibly hard and you know um hopefully this will be a, something that will be very useful to you and i actually think i mean it's it's the most colourful and amazing guide I've ever seen on this guy. I don't, I guarantee that you will not have seen anything quite like this. Um, but I think what is really good about it is that I think that it, the way um, the way it's done will really help people to remember and understand um, quite a lot of uh, quite complicated and knotty uh uh uh, subjects so uh, i'll let you know more and uh obviously when it's released and things but just to just to mark your cards um and uh make a space in your inbox for that (laughs) Uh, but there you go great thanks for that peter no problem all right well thanks very much uh emily um always always good to to speak again yes hi great see See you then bye bye Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of We Ask Watson. I'm Emily from Watson's Daily and with me is Peter Watson. Hi Peter. Hi there. Peter, would you tell us the story you found most interesting today please? Okay, Um, I thought that, by the way actually before we start this, um, we had a chat beforehand and I actually think that Emily's story is more important, but I think mine's more fun, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I think so. I think uh, so. I put in this story today uh, about Levi, uh, sorry, Levi's, Levi's, and Hill um, and uh, Tommy Hilfiger um, putting together new type of online shopping. So basically, what what happens is they um, some of these uh, some of these kind of brands are actually starting to do things like live streams. Um, uh, uh, to uh, get customers in who who would obviously you know who aren't able to go to uh, their their stores during during the lockdown so it's all a bit like um qvc you know that um tv mm. it's like a basically channel tv and they they talk about you know dodgy jewelry and stuff <laughs> and uh try try to sell you all this stuff um and it's all a bit cheesy, but actually, I really, I really think this is this is particularly interesting because I think this method of selling um, is already very popular in China, and um, you know, you get influencers and things talking about things, and then they'll show you how to, you know, what what outfits look like and all this kind of stuff, and then you can buy straight there and then. Um, and I think that it seems to me that I, I, I reckon that this could be the future certainly the well potentially the immediate future of um apparel retailing because i think until we get a, a, a you know proper um vaccine etc for coronavirus th- these shops are all going to be quite risky in terms of are they going to open are they not going to open and that kind of thing whereas this um if they actually put some money but if, if retailers put some money behind this kind of thing it might actually work because um, you know, everyone's locked down anyway. People want to have a bit of retail therapy. 
Um, and if they can have something that's interactive and um, and current, uh, you know, it's quite, it's quite an exciting experience. I mean, it, it's certainly different from the experience you get in a shop um, and actually might, in, again, could enhance the brand potentially. So I really think that um, uh, this kind of interactive event will be really, I think it will, it, you know, it will be really popular because I think, um many many people very keen um to have more of an interactive experience it seems to me i mean i um uh yeah i, I mean I, th- I i was saying to you earlier that i think that um e- even with things like in- i found i mean as a re- re- relatively recent person to um to instagram that one thing that has kind of surprised me about the platform is how interactive it is with complete mm-hmm. strangers um and people that would not normally you know say stride up to you in the street and just ask you a load of questions um feel perfectly fine doing that on a platform like instagram and you know you can interact really quickly and i think that if you if you have many people who 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 are used to that kind of interaction then i think that this this thing that um, you know Levi's and Hilfiger are doing is actually a natural extension of it, and it's actually a natural extension of a normal kind of apparel website, you know, a clo- clothing uh, retailer website. So, you know, you've got the clothing retail, uh, you know, you've got the products up there, and then you like you click on them and all that kind of thing, and you buy. But it's surely it's a lot better to and more fun to be part of a, an, in, an interactive, you know, fashion show or product reveal or, you know, something with someone on there who tells you ways to wear it and all that kind of thing. It makes for a much richer experience from the shopping shopper's point of view. And in fact, although people will say that they like going to a shop and like talking to people, it, it, pro- it may well give them a, actually a better quality experience because you're probably going to have someone who's, who's better um on the um on the actual um uh you know on on the live stream than than you would normally mm. it's it's interesting because i feel that some comparisons could be drawn between this live streaming and also the youtube influencer market because yeah. with youtube a lot of um videos are of influencers trying on things that they've bought so for like an ASOS haul mm. with a try-on element where the influencer actually shows you how the clothes look on and you can mm. kind of get their sizing for reference. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel that maybe, though, the live streaming could actually surpass YouTube in terms of the marketability of clothes in particular? I think, I don't know if it will outlast it. I mean, certainly at least, at the very least, enhance it. Because, you know, you've got that interactive element, you've got the live element, and it's more exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can see it live, it's, it's a lot more, you know, it is a lot more exciting than, than say, watching it later on YouTube. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like a Watson's Daily um, Thursday Zoom call, really, in that respect. In that, you know, yeah, you could, you could listen to a recording or something, if there was a recording. Um, but it's a lot better to be there on the live, you know, it's a lot better to be there live. Because you know you get more interaction and 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 um, you, you know you, you're more in the moment. So I think that I think that I don't I don't think that could ne- it it will necessarily um, replace that you know the 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 YouTube trends that you're talking about. It just might enhance it. 
Mm. And I think that it would add another element um, to it all. So I think it's really, um, yeah, I think it's it is potentially the future. But, you know, I think, again, I, I don't know if I referred to this in a previous podcast, but um, I, I think that uh, if you can combine this and have um, accurate customer avatars, you know, personal avatars, which have all your measurements and things like that. So um, that you can use at all retailers to say, see whether things are the right fit for you or not, or look right on you or not. Um, I think that if, if you could have that and you could have this live element as well, I actually think that that's better than going in person, you know, because you can, you know, the, the, the avatar things means that you don't have to, I mean, I don't know if any, I mean, maybe this is showing my age here, but I remember a while ago going to like, um, Oh God, Abercrombie and Fitch. Right. And, uh, the going, going in there, um, and the, the queues, I mean, they got loads of changing rooms, but basically you get a whole load of tr- tourists coming along and they, they, they go in and they've got like stacks of <laughs> like stacks of clothes. and They've got their friends handing them to So you're, you're waiting for absolutely ages before you can even get in the blooming fitting rooms. So surely it's a lot better and a lot better experience if you've got your um, you know, if you've got your avatar, so you don't have to worry about that. And then you can look at the latest trends um and and you know drop in live maybe maybe make a few comment you know bitchy comments and stuff um i you know i don't know i mean i i think that that actually that doesn't detract from the shopping experience i actually think it i actually think in many ways it enhances if not surpasses it yeah it's it's interesting because i think also you touched on it earlier but the current covid situation um my experience has been that no shops are actually even allowing people to try on clothes um yeah so you kind of have to take a stab in the dark and take it all the way home and then if you live yeah. quite far from the center that that's annoying because then you have to yeah. drive all the way back to return yeah. it. so yeah that would be useful um even in the recent times where there's no mm. vaccine but even after a vaccine as you said it looks like it could disrupt the future of retail quite significantly. And I suspect that those brands on the high street that are struggling at the minute, if they could perhaps reevaluate their business plan and maybe try and get involved in the disruption, they might actually be, you know, benefit from this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, I think, you know, interesting, difficult times for retailers and and um you know clothing brands but also this is this could be a time that you know actually accelerates change that maybe would have taken many years mm. um because now there's much more of a sense of urgency because it's rather than a oh yeah this is quite a nice thing to have and and wouldn't this be good in the future so we need this otherwise we're not going to survive yeah. So I think there's not, nothing like that to uh, concentrate the mind, I think. Mm. Well, interesting, Peter. Fun. But um, <laughs> as, as you said yourself, I think my story today, I found this um, quite significant and yeah. important. Um, so the story today for me was the EU targeting big tech with a hit mm. list. Mm -hmm. And the EU regulators are planning to compile a list of 20 major internet companies, which will have to adhere to much stricter rules, which is basically aimed at diluting the power of the tech behemoths currently in the market. Um, Mm. 
The list will be compiled based on a criteria which includes market share of revenues and mm -hmm. also number of users. Mm. But um, a second limb could also be those deemed to be so powerful that rivals cannot trade without their platforms being used. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty likely that companies such as Facebook and Google will definitely be included on this. Um, mm. But the important part of this story for me is that it shows the EU wants to go beyond imposing fines and actually instead make the tech companies share their data with their competitors. Mm -hmm. um, and this is very significant because fines, to be honest, really aren't that effective against companies such as Facebook and Google or Apple because for them it's really pocket money. Like It, it really isn't a big deal, but data mm. might be a way to get them to comply. Um, but I'd ask you, Peter, do you think there'll be much resistance from this, from the US big tech in particular? And what mm. do you think their actions might be? I think that there will be massive resistance in, in America because the, the companies that are obviously going to be targeted are the, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples uh, of, of this world. And they're all American. Um, now, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, maybe there would be more chance of um, Americans um, cracking down on this themselves and saying things should be broken up. But we're not in normal circumstances. And although these companies don't pay much corporate tax, mm -hmm. um, they, they pay a lot in terms of employing loads of people and those people pay loads of income tax. So are they really, are the Americans, you know, the regulators and things, are they really going to be, doing anything about this i mean i i i do i do wonder uh about whether what how how hard they will push this um i think that the eu is is just gonna i think i really think they're gonna fold i'm sorry to be cynical about it but i the fact that um you know vestiga um the, the eu competition commissioner took on apple you know, try up. It was high fiving because because that managed to get um, or had a judgment to to make Apple pay a sixteen billion euro fine, and then find that actually, um, you know, that that that, <laughs> that, that she lost on appeal. Mm. I mean, the fact that she can't even win against one company, um, or be that Apple, um, what she got. Chance, what, what chance you got against 20 what chance the eu got against 20 and actually the next thing that they bring like this it's got to work otherwise i think it's curtains for the for them they, you know they're going to have to start all over again yeah, the eu agreed. competition because like no no one is going to take them seriously mm. just no one um and actually sorry the other thing i was going to say as well was um this whole thing about data i think that's there's going to be a lot of problems with this because I would say that another objection that the big tech that big tech might do is to say, well, look, the customers trust us, you know, especially someone like Apple, right? Mm. Where everyone goes, are oh, everyone they 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 put their trust in us, you know? We don't get hacked as much as everyone else. That's why people we, people come to us. Why should we give our data out to everyone else? And then that, that's when we know, you know, we where we have no control. You know, their data will not be safer elsewhere. It will be safer with us. And I mean, I'd say that's quite hard to argue against. 
because the more um i would say you know the more companies that have access to your data the more chances there are of that data being misused um so i i think that although this this sounds good ultimately i think the execution is going to be extremely hard um yeah, so, it, so yeah. it's interesting i mean Peter, that argument was very compelling. I think Apple should get in, in contact if it does go to court because you, <laughs> you'd be very good on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that they're just, a, they are a, um, you know, they are a trusted company, aren't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, this is whole, that whole thing a few years ago with, you know, the F, was it, I think it was the FBI, you know, they were trying to um, hack into yeah. a, an Apple phone and, and they didn't. And the FBI was trying to compel them. They did, you know, they resist. So, so really, um, I do think that people will trust companies. Say, I I would say, just as a like an observer, I would say in general, most people will probably trust Apple more than they do Facebook, mm. for instance. Whereas, you know, the, but the thing is, is that actually the information that Apple has is probably just as sensitive, if not more so, than mm. than what you get on Facebook. Because, again, this is what I was saying, I think, recently about Amazon, is that Apple know what you buy, whereas you don't buy so, so much stuff on, on Facebook. So you can see to get an insight into someone by looking at their Facebook in a way, but they're not really buying anything. Whereas, of course, Apple, it, they, you know, everything, as, as we all know, everything costs. And so um, they will know more about um, you know what you actually buy which i think is even more sensitive but you know we'll we'll see uh, but like i say i think the thing you, everyone's got to be very careful with data and i think that there'll be a big objections from people if too much there's there's too much data sharing yeah definitely interesting um we'll see in the next few months how how this actually works out but i i suspect yeah. your i suspect your cynicism is definitely well placed um but yeah, thanks for that, Peter. Um, no problem. So I think that's everything for today. I'll just round up by explaining that stage two of the competition has just opened, um, only open to those that have got through the first stage. So those that have got through, you should get an email very shortly. And best of luck from all of us here at Watson's Daily. Um if I could remind the listeners, as always, please subscribe to Watson's Daily for more stories like the ones me and Peter have discussed today. There's also lots more resources to help in the upcoming application cycle and for the dreaded interviews. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for your insights today, Peter. Ooh. There is one more thing I wanted to mention is um, I, uh, I, I've been working with um, According to a Law Student. Oh, yeah. And... Um, we have put together an ebook on commercial awareness. Now, um, it's not been released just yet, but it's just it is about it is on the verge of being released. So, um, you know, look out look out for that. We'll we'll be um, trying to uh, bring attention to it certainly on 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 our social media channels. Um, but I think it's it's been re it's been really great to to work with with uh april is her real name um it's been really great to to work with her and i think she's worked incredibly hard and you know um hopefully 
this will be a, something that will be very useful to you. And I actually think, I mean, it's it's the most colourful and amazing guide I've ever seen on this guy. I don't, I guarantee that you will not have seen anything quite like this. Um, but I think what is really good about it is that I think that it, the way um, the way it's done will really help people to remember and understand um, quite a lot of uh, quite complicated and knotty uh, 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 subjects. So uh, I'll let you know more, and uh, obviously when it's released and things. But just to just to mark your cards um, and uh, make a space in your inbox for that. <laughs> uh, but there you go. Yeah. Great. Thanks for that, Peter. No problem. All right. Well, thanks very much, uh, Emily. Um, always, always good to, to speak again. Yes. Bye. Great. See you. See you then. Bye. Bye.